I'm your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Nate. What's up, man? So, uh, just uh, for this week's podcast, uh, we'll be covering um, the tight end awards uh, for uh, fantasy football this past season. Uh, we'll be taking a look at some NBA and NHL pickups as usual, as well as some previews and just general talk from each of the leagues. Um, but before we do that, I, I just want to get your sort of reaction on the, the Carson Wentz trade that took place. Um, the, the terms of the trade is uh, the Eagles are trading Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second rounder. Uh, the 2022 conditional second rounder will become a first round draft pick if Wentz plays at least 75% of the snaps uh, in the 2021 season or 70% and the Colts make the playoffs. So if uh, none of those take place, uh, that remains a second round pick. But if those do take place, it becomes a first round draft selection. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on, on the whole Carson Wentz deal, uh, whether um, they gave out, they gave too much or um, it, it was a good trade and just sort of the fit uh, of Carson Wentz in the, the Indianapolis uh, offense. Um, I think it was a good trade, I guess all around i know um carson wentz he he still did pretty good this season i know he uh this year was kind of a disappointing year for the eagles and they've decided to kind of uh move on from carson wentz uh but i think the probability of carson wentz performing um really high i i'd say it's pretty it's a pretty good chance that he's gonna bounce back this season so I think that uh, the picks that they got should be uh, pretty good to kind of, I guess, re not necessarily rebuild, but I guess like retool, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, um, that does make sense. Yeah. And I think that it's really good for the Colts as well because they, they only needed like just the, a quarter. They just needed a good quarterback to make a deep playoff run. I think we were talking about this before, but like they – they almost beat the Bills. It was really close in the playoffs. It was only like a field goal away from uh, getting into overtime. And now that they kind of upgraded their quarterback, they should be able to be in a position to kind of make a deep run this year or I guess the, the coming season. Yeah, I think uh, just in general, um, this benefits uh, both the Colts and Carson Wentz. Um, like you said, uh, you believe that they gave up the right amount to get Carson Wentz. I think I believe the same thing. I, I think when it originally came out that they wanted two first rounders for Wentz, I think it might have just been to sort of uh, just push uh, the, the, the price a little bit higher. They probably knew they weren't going to get two first rounders, as we could see from this uh, trade. But you know how the the teams just try to you know push for as much as they can get, kind of thing. But yeah, I think um, it, it's sort of a it looks like a low risk move for the Colts. Uh, you know, reuniting uh, Carson Wentz with his uh, uh, former offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach of the Colts and Frank Reich. I think that uh, those two developed uh, a good uh, relationship with each other, uh, both on and off the field. So I think it would be uh, very beneficial uh, for a guy uh, like Carson Wentz, you know, just um, 
you know, just being able to, you know, just be around that coach again, he sort of brought out the best out of Carson Wentz. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we could, we could sort of uh, uh, just see that come out uh, from Wentz again. And, you know, um, just a stat I was looking at, actually, uh, Carson Wentz this year was sacked 50 times. And um, like, as we know, that, that was probably the most that any quarterback was sacked this season. Um, and then if you take a look at the Colts, they only gave up 19 sacks on the whole year. Wentz was sacked 50 times in however many weeks he played, whether it was 12 or 13, whatever the number was. Um, but yeah, 19 on the whole year for the Colts. He's going to get good protection there. I think that that could bring out some of um, the talent that he had shown um, the MVP level season he had and uh, the couple of uh, playoff appearances he also had with the Eagles besides that season. So, um, and then just in terms of fantasy, you're right. He didn't have a bad year. Uh, he was close to uh, Q. He was just outside QB one um, ranking. Um, I think the first 10 or 11 weeks of the season. So he was producing decently. I know it fell off a little bit as you know, the whole thing happened with Jalen hurts, but um, I, I think that Carson Wentz can be sort of a sneaky pickup, you know, uh, maybe not your first quarterback, but maybe you want to get him as your, as your sort of second quarterback with, with, you know, a bit of upside uh, when you draft and then, you know, he, he might uh, get sneaky first round value next year. Um, any other thoughts on this Wentz trade? Um, I think that um, I know he did throw a lot of um, picks this season, but I'm not expecting him to throw the same amount um, next season. So I think that oh, yeah, if sure. you, if you have like, um, if you had any um, wide receivers or tight ends or like running backs who are on the Colts, I think that their production should be able to increase as well because uh, Carson Wentz is still a very talented quarterback and with the Colts line, um, they're going to be able to kind of protect him enough so that he doesn't have to rush his passes or make mistakes. So, yeah, I think it's going to be um, good for just like all the all the cult players, not just Carson Wentz as well. Another thing that's good about him is he can roll out of the pocket and he can make plays on his feet, which is something that a lot of quarterbacks need to do in today's NFL. So I think, um, uh, you know, Philip Rivers, that was sort of his limitation when he was in Indianapolis. I know uh, Frank Reich is, is very used to coaching Carson Wentz. So uh, I believe that it'll sort of bring out uh, the better side of, uh, of Carson Wentz on the field. And I guess uh, his uh, relationship with Frank Reich off the field, um, both uh, as a coach and sharing the same faith, uh, that will really help um, uh, Carson Wentz's mindset. I know people were saying that his mind wasn't in the right place this year. So um, it, it just seems like, I, I know I've heard interviews from other uh, Colts players, uh, how Frank Reich just wants to, uh, you know, uh, be, be, be sort of like a brother to each guy off the field. So I think that that relationship is there between him and Carson Wentz. And I think that's going to be beneficial uh, for this coming season. And yeah, I, I fully expect, I know uh, I just uh, took a look that Carson Wentz was the 14th ranked fantasy quarterback around between the, the week nine to 11 mark. So that was around where his play sort of fell off. So he was close to a, a QB one in fantasy. Um, definitely with that rushing floor that he has being able to make plays on his feet and then the rushing touchdown upside. I know he definitely went for a lot of rushing touchdowns the last few years. So um if he's a threat on his feet again, 
um, then teams will have to respect that. And I think that he will be able to generate touchdowns both through the air and on the ground. So, um, yeah, I think this team is a good fit for Carson Wentz. And I think uh, just as a whole, uh, Indianapolis, uh, their ceiling, I believe, is higher than it was with Phillip Rivers. Um, in, in terms of a team floor, we don't know how Wentz is going to perform next year. So it's hard to say uh, where, where the floor of the team is. I, th- I think the, the floor of the team is borderline playoff. They're very talented. And then their ceiling, um, like I said, we don't know um, whether it's a deep playoff run, whether it's a Super Bowl run, we don't know. We will have to see how Carson Wentz fits in. It's going to be hard to see just like the ceiling of teams in the AFC in general because of just how how deep it is. There's like a lot of good teams there. So we're going to have to kind of see when the season comes. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, just moving on now, uh, we'll get to the tight end awards. Um First, let me let me just say that um, tight ends, uh, there were a lot of injuries, uh, not a lot of tight ends really played uh, to their potential this year. So um, the, the awards are going to be a little thin this year and a lot of the same tight ends are going to be taking away awards, but let's get let's go through them now. Um, let me get to you first, Nate, uh, the most consistent uh, tight end of the year. Uh, who's your winner and your runner up? Well, the winner for consistent tight end of the year was would be Travis Kelsey, and the runner-up would be Darren Waller. Um, Travis Kelsey had an amazing year for tight ends, and like you said, this was like a really tough year for tight ends this season. Um, most tight ends they haven't been uh, getting enough targets, or sometimes they got the targets, but they were just dropping passes for some for some reason, and. A lot of uh, players, they weren't fully um, in game shape until later in the season, so they had to kind of warm up. So it was just a really tough year. But uh, Travis Kelsey, he was still able to get uh, 17.4 fantasy points per game, which is uh, really good for a tight end this year. And uh, Darren Waller got 13.5 fantasy points per game, which is, again, really good. Uh, Kelsey had 11 touchdowns and Waller had nine and uh, Kelsey only had three games under uh, double digits and he had nine games where he had over 19 points and Waller only had five games under double digits and he had four games that's 19 point points or, or higher so that's uh, for I guess a season where a lot of tight ends there were you could expect like maybe nine points at the most, 10 points at the most. That's um, a really, that's, those are really good stats. Yeah. Just uh, looking at the tight end landscape this year, it was pretty much a mixed bag. Like in terms of, of average, like when you get to your sort of top 12 tight ends, like um, your, your averages that really start to thin out, like uh the, the 12th ranked uh, tight end uh, only averaged about eight points uh, on the year. So it was very thin at the tight end position. You only had four guys averaging over 
uh, 10 uh, fantasy points per game in half PPR formats. Uh, the guys being Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle, and Mark Andrews, who were, um, in, in a sense, uh, four out of the top five guys drafted. So I guess the, the premier draft slots for the tight ends are very important. You know, the top five or six, usually those are the guys you're going to see um, finishing out in the top five. Sometimes you might see an outsider um, come in. Uh, we'll mention some guys, but um, usually it's those guys right near the top. Uh, of draft boards um uh, speaking of george kittle i'm actually going to get to the the injury uh tight end of the year and i i'm going to give it to george kittle um he only played seven games on the year uh but those games that he played uh, he averaged 13 fantasy points per game uh he had uh, two touchdowns on the year uh, he had over 600 receiving yards and he had over 40 catches. So he really made the most out of those seven games. Um, he was out with multiple injuries on the year. He had a knee injury earlier in the year. And then he also suffered a foot injury, which is uh, what really took him out for most of the season. I believe he missed uh, at least six weeks uh, for that foot injury, uh, maybe less, maybe more. It, it was an, around a six-week time period, I believe. And it, it really uh, hurt fantasy owners, especially ones that reach for Kittle maybe in the late first round, early second. Uh, that's around where he was going in some um, half PPR leagues. Um, so yeah, it, it was just an overall rough year for Kittle and the, the 49ers team in general. But uh, he, when he was on the field, he was definitely uh, a good point producer. And uh, the runner-up, I'm going to give it to CJ Uzoma from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he only played two games on the year. Uh, he averaged 9.4 fantasy points per game, which is fantastic in half point PPR. Uh, he also had a touchdown. I believe that second game he had the touchdown, uh, but then he uh, he tore his Achilles and he was out for the rest of the season, uh, which was a shame because uh, him and Joe Burrow were sort of getting that connection. Uh, I noticed after the second game and then when he tore that Achilles, it really, uh, you know, uh, hurt the team. And then, of course, we know Joe Burrow also went out uh, with an injury, which really hurt the Bengals. Uh, I believe the Bengals will be a much stronger team heading into next season, assuming everyone on that offense is healthy. Um, let me just send it right back to you um, in, in terms of the waiver wire uh, tight end of the year. Uh, who do you have for your winner and your runner up? I'd say the winner for tight end waiver wire tight end of the year would be um, Robert Tanyan and the runner up would be Logan Thomas. Um, Robert Tanyan had 9.5 um, fantasy points per game with 11 touchdowns and Logan Thomas had 8.6 fantasy points per game with six touchdowns. And as you said, like most, most uh, tight ends, like the most that you could get was like eight or nine or like maybe 10. And these guys, they got like exactly the most that you could expect out of tight ends this year. So off, especially off the waiver wire, if you got these two guys, you are probably you probably had like a really deep um, a tight tight end core on your um, roster. And both of these guys, I think for most of the season, they were ten percent owned. I think um, uh, draft for draft season, I believe. Draft uh, season, yeah. Yeah. So um, I think uh, what qualifies a waiver wire tight end um, is to be under fifty percent owned uh, after drafts. So I believe both the guys that you mentioned were under 50% owned. I think you said under 10% owned. Yeah. So that's, that's really, yeah, that, that's a pure waiver wire uh, tight end then for both of them. Yeah, for sure. Like if you guys were like um, paying attention to these people, P 
people and you got them early because you knew they were gonna kind of um, put in work, then con congratulations. That was a, a really good pick. Um, Robert Tanyan had, he had a really high um, reception rate, even though he didn't get a lot of targets. Um, he had over five targets only once this season, but his reception rate was over 70%. So oh, wow. he was basically he made the most out of what he got and he was still able to get 9.5 fantasy points per game. So that's um, really impressive for a tight end. And uh, I think Logan Thomas, he had a lower reception rate, but he had um, more targets. Uh, he had over five targets a game and he had um, higher highs, usually with higher volume that gives you a, a a better opportunity to kind of have some good highlight games. Um, his highlight game of the season was versus Pittsburgh week 13. He had 20.30 points, uh, 98 yards, one touchdown, nine targets, and he caught all his targets. So very good game. And uh, Tanyan's highlight game was versus the Chicago Bears and he had 15.20 points, 44 yards, one touchdown, five targets, and he caught all his targets too. So uh, both are really good tight ends off the waiver. Um, if you had them last year and you're in a keeper, keeper league, make sure you hold on to them, I would say, because these guys make the most out of their position. All right, that sounds good uh, for waiver wire uh, tight ends of the year. Um, I'm going to just jump into the rookie tight ends of the year. There weren't really a lot of guys. I know most of the breakout tight ends uh, for this year were sort of guys that weren't rookies, but they were more second fiddle on teams like uh, a Robert Tanyan and a Logan Thomas, guys like that. But in, in terms of pure rookies, uh, for, for my uh, rookie tight end of the year, I'm going to give it to Harrison Bryant of the Cleveland Browns. I know, Nate, you're familiar with him and how he plays. Um, he really uh, had a breakout this year because of the injuries uh, during the year to Austin Hooper and David Njoku. Uh, so he was forced into a role where he a lot of times had to pass catch, even though he was mostly known for blocking. Um, uh, for fantasy this year, he averaged 4.2 fantasy points per game and he had three touchdowns on the year. So not too bad for a rookie season. He was the best out of all of the rookie tight ends this year. And then um, going to my runner-up, I'm going to give it to Cole Komet from the Chicago Bears. Um, he sort of came on more at the end of the season. Uh, they, they were giving him a, a lot more snaps than they were giving to Jimmy Graham. I know that um, some, um, some uh, teams were, uh, uh, you know, um, having, to tar having to guard both him and Jimmy Graham in the end zone. So I know he was a, a bit of a, a tight end pickup near the end of the year. Um, but yeah, uh, he averaged uh, three fantasy points per game and he had two touchdowns on the year. So not too bad. If they decide to move on from Jimmy Graham this year, uh, then it looks like Komet might grow in his role uh, as the tight end for the Chicago Bears. So um, it's just uh, good to see, you know, these young tight ends uh, rise up and hopefully next year we get more of a, a big uh, rookie tight end. I know Kyle Pitts is really hyped up from college as a, as a tight end coming in. If he lands on a team where he's going to be the starter, he might end up being one of the rookie tight ends uh, to look out for next season. Um, and let me just get back to you, Nate, uh, on the playoff tight end of the year. Um, uh, who did you have winning and the runner up? Well, for the playoff, 
playoff tight end of the year uh, for the fantasy playoffs. Um, I would say that Travis Kelsey, he is the playoff tight end of the year. And Darren Waller is the runner-up again. Uh, again, these two were really solid um, this year, and especially during the fantasy playoffs. Uh, Travis Kelsey had 20.6 fantasy points per game, and uh, Darren Waller had 16.7 fantasy points per game. So that's, again, very, very good for a tight end. This is like These are like numbers you would expect from your like running back or something, but it's tight ends who got it. And um, yeah, Kelsey got over 18 points every game. He got uh, one touchdown every game he played, and he had over 50 reception yards every game. I think he only played three out of the four playoff games. Um, his highlight game was versus Miami, where he had 23.60 points, 136 yards, one touchdown, and his uh, reception rate was 80%. So again, that was a very solid game. And Waller's highlight game um, was versus the Los Angeles Chargers, where he got 25.50 points, 150 yards, one touchdown, and his reception rate was 75%. Uh, uh, Waller also had um, really solid uh, fantasy playoffs with over 20 points for two games, and he had over 100 reception yards for, I think, three out of the four playoff games. So uh, congratulations to both tight ends. Yeah, well, it looks like everyone was lighting up the LA Chargers last year. We saw the Patriots game where they won 45-0 to zero lighting up the Chargers. So I think everyone was lighting up the Chargers. They'll definitely have a lot of their defensive players healthy this year. They'll probably look like a better team. But speaking of Darren Waller, um, for the tight end of the year, he is my runner-up. Uh, as you mentioned, 13.5 fantasy points per game and half point PPR, nine touchdowns. Um, he just, he played really well this year. Um, Darren Waller, I owned him in some leagues, um, a league that I actually won. He was my tight end. So he was fantastic this year. Uh, overall, uh, he had over a thousand um, receiving yards, over 100 receptions on the year. Insane for Darren Waller. Um, but I, I have to give tight end of the year to Travis Kelsey of the Kansas city chiefs. He's just been fantastic. He was pretty much the first tight end off the board in drafts this year, unless some people had decided to take George Kittle. Um, Kelsey also played really well. Um, and, uh, like you mentioned, 17.4 fantasy points per game, 11, uh, touchdowns. And, uh, he just, uh, had a solid year, um, I believe you said he played three out of the four games because the last week they did rest him week 17. So uh, we yeah. normally only count weeks uh, 14 to 16 for the fantasy playoffs anyways. Uh, but yeah, he had 1400 receiving yards insane. He had, he also had over a hundred receptions, which uh, was also very good. And he had 11 touchdowns, which is fantastic numbers. Uh, him and uh, Robert Tanyan tied for the, the tight end lead for touchdowns. So um, yeah, a fantastic year from Travis Kelsey, and he is the fantasy tight end of the year. And um, just one more question about tight ends. Um, in, in terms of next year, do you see the tight end landscape uh, growing, or do you see it more thinning out to the top end guys? Um, I think 
it's kind of hard to say, but I think uh, tentatively, I think people should kind of expect a bit more of the same, like just what kind of what we got this season. We should kind of expect that next season. Uh, you should also keep in mind that tight ends are generally one of the uh, the positions that are kind of it's hard to draft good players in general. And then with what what happened with the whole um, COVID situation, it made everything even worse. So I think for the time for the time being, we should kind of expect the tight end position to be um, thin, thinning out a bit until that we see that it's doing better. Yeah, I think I can agree with you. Um, hopefully, some of the top tight ends uh, remain healthy. Um, and hopefully, um, the free agents definitely go to teams where they can be utilized so that we can have a, a better overall tight end landscape. But we'll definitely have to take a look as the offseason progresses and sort of what we can project for next season. But uh, yeah, I agree that uh, we definitely should expect a, a pretty good overall year for tight ends next year, whether it's the same, whether it's a bit better, a bit worse, we'll have to find out. But um, and, uh, and that's uh, about it for our tight ends uh, rankings and, and sort of just our outlook and awards uh, on the season. Um, and now we'll move into the NBA portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. All right, welcome to the basketball portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host once again, James, and I'm joined again by Nate. What's up, man? So. Well, big win for your Raptors Tuesday night. Uh, we'll definitely get to that as, as we take a look at some of the standings, but we'll, we'll just start as always with some pickups. Um, I'll give uh, a few pickups and then I'll pass it right on, along to you. And uh, for my pickups, I want to start with uh, uh, Marcus Morris. And he, he's just been fantastic lately. He's only 42% owned in Yahoo League. So hop on him as soon as you can. Uh, in his last three games, he's averaged uh, over 25 points. Uh, he's been dropping around six rebounds per game. He's been adding assists, steals, and blocks, and a low turnover rate with perfect free throw and uh, about 0.6 field goals. So he's been insane. He's been a monster for the Clippers. Uh, only 42% rostered. He's a must pick up right now. Um, and then just moving along uh, to Dylan Brooks from the Memphis Grizzlies. He only 48% owned in Yahoo leagues. Uh, he's just been playing uh, really well. Uh, he's averaged uh, close to 20 points uh, per game in his last five, I'd say. Um, yeah, around 20 points per game or so. And he's been averaging around, you know, two rebounds, two assists. He's not hurting you in any percentages. Uh, his turnover rate is, uh, I mean, it might be a little problematic. He's been averaging two to three turnovers per game. But if that's not a, a major issue category for you, I guess uh, Dylan Brooks is definitely someone that's just putting up amazing stats. He's been averaging almost two steals a game as well. So he's been fantastic as of late. And then just uh, hopping over to uh, the Portland Trail Blazers, we're looking at Carmelo Anthony. He's also around, you know, 45% owned. Uh, he, he should be available in most Yahoo leagues. Um, he, he's just been putting up good numbers as well, you know, averaging uh, almost 20 points a game, uh, about four rebounds per game, uh, averaging uh, around three assists in his last three games, uh, adding steals, adding blocks. And his field goal has always been good. It, it, he's been averaging around 0.5 per game, which has been very solid. And, this, and his free throw won't hurt you. So I, I think Carmelo Anthony is just another one of those guys that's always been reliable. And he's definitely someone that you can look at picking up. Well, 
Uh, that's enough for me. Uh, Nate, let me get to you to hear some of the pickups that you've got this week for NBA. Sure. Uh, for my first pickup, I have Vika Zubak. Um, he's 36% rostered right now. Um, his rank is 77, and he's getting 8.3 points, 6.5 rebounds, and one assist. Um, his last game... Uh, he played 28 minutes and he got 22 points, eight rebounds, one assist, one steal on only one turnover with 80% field goal and 100% free throw. So that was a very good game from him. Mm -hmm. um, as you can see, he has a lot of potential um, upside, especially as a backup center off the bench. So if you're looking for someone off the bench with some good upside, I definitely recommend Zubak. Uh, for my next pick, I have uh, Patrick Beverly. He's more of like a deep league pick. Like um, if you have somebody who's injured and you need someone to pick up off the waiver or something like that, you could probably pick him up. Um, he's officially returned um, from the injury list, so he should be getting some playing time soon. Uh, currently, his Averages are 8.3 points, 4.2 rebounds, and 2.2 assists. And in his last game against Cleveland, he got 16 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals on only one turnover with 62% field goal and 100% feet uh, free throws. So again, a lot of potential upside with him as well. So I would suggest him too, especially in deep leagues. And for my third pick, I've got uh, Daniel House Jr. for the Houston Rockets. Um, he's another deep league pick. Um, he's getting 8.9 points, 3.8 rebounds, and 2.2 assists. Uh, he gets a little bit in every category, but he's mostly, uh, I guess, points and rebounds. He gets some assists as well, like usually around like two to three assists and uh he gets a lot of minutes so you don't have to worry about him um being on the on the bench and not getting any points for you either so that's good um so if you're in a deep league and you need another small forward or power forward you should pick him up as well and for my last pickup i've got lou against dort um he's averaging 12.1 points, 3.5 rebounds, and 1.4 assists right now. And in his last game, he got 23 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and 1 steal. Uh, he's currently 30% rostered. So he's on a streak right now. So uh, if you pick him up um, um, now, there's a lot of upside with him, especially because he's getting a lot of playing time. So I would suggest that you um, pick him up since it looks like he's on fire right now. And uh, yeah, those are my pickups for this week. Yeah, those pickups sound good. Um, it, it's good that you did cover some deep league pickups because it, it seemed like mine were more shallowly close to 50% uh, owned players. And uh, yeah, you covered uh, the deeper end of the spectrum. Um, and then uh, just moving into a general outlook in the NBA um, I know you wanted to talk about, you know, where some teams are, maybe some some trade talks. Um, and uh, I guess just looking at the standings, 
um, j- just sort of the, the shift that's been going on. Um, I, I don't know, uh, in terms of the Eastern Conference, uh, do you have anything uh, that you want to talk about in terms of whether it's standings, whether it's trade talk regarding the East? I think for the most part, um, people, there's been a lot of, I guess, trade rumors with Andre Drummond and uh, Blake Griffin. Um, I guess people are just wondering where they'd be going. Um, I'm not particularly sure where, where they would go or whether they would even be traded, especially with um, Andre Drummond is still a really decent center. So we'll, I guess we'll have to, to see where, where they would go. And apparently Blake Griffin is... He's being held out on the the line until he gets traded. So I was just wondering your thoughts on uh, where you'd see these two players going. Um, I guess just looking at a, um, not just a fantasy standpoint, but I guess a team chemistry standpoint, um, I, I don't really see them going to uh, you know, the big three or, or four teams in the East, if they're going to go somewhere in the East, maybe you look at a team like, um, you know, if there's a spot available on maybe the Pacers or the Raptors, um, I, I think those might be two teams, maybe the Miami Heat, if they're really making a playoff push. I think those are the three teams that that, that might be, you know, uh, looking to, to make a trade uh, in, in the East. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what you think in terms of trade partners in the East for those two players. Um, it's kind of hard to say, especially for the Pacers and Raptors. Pacers, because they um, they do have uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner, who are pretty decent for the Pacers. And they may not want to have to give up who they already have, especially because the center doesn't look like their weakest position right now. For the Raptors, the centers are their weakest position, but... Um, for Blake Griffin, he's always having injury problems. He's getting a little older. And Andre Drummond, his cap space is kind of a lot. And the other thing that I'm concerned with is free agents tend to not stay. And yes, we are trying to make a playoff push. But at the same time, I feel like it might not be worth it to kind of try to trade your future for what could be a one-year or two-year rental kind of thing. So I'm not really too sure about the Pacers or Raptors, but I could kind of see um, where you're going with it. Probably be a team that wants to try to try to make a playoff push. They just need maybe one or two pieces, and then they could probably go pretty far. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know if you, you could see a Blake Griffin on maybe a Miami or, or something like that, um, you know, just maybe as an extra piece. Um, I know Atlanta has been slipping lately. I know we can talk about that. Uh, they've sort of been on a skid. They've got, they've only won two out of their last 10 games. They've really taken a big fall in the East. And um, is, do you think there's anything Atlanta needs to do just to sort of improve and to sort of get back into a playoff spot? Um, It's kind of hard to say. I, I'm not sure if adding another player is going to do anything. It could just be a slump because they were on fire earlier in the season. So maybe they just need to make some adjustments to kind of snap the losing streak that they're in. But I guess we'll kind of see what's going to happen in the future. 
Yeah, and speaking of losing streaks, um, the Milwaukee Bucks have been continuing on their losing streak. Uh, they're in a four-game skid right now. They just lost Tuesday night to your Toronto Raptors. Uh, what do you think about Milwaukee? Uh, and I guess not just Milwaukee, but the East as a whole, seeing that there are a lot of weak teams in the East. Uh, it's definitely not been what I expected. Um, the 76ers are looking like the strongest team in the East right now. And we thought like, you know, especially a couple of years ago, the Bucks were looking like they were the best team in the East pretty much. And they didn't make it out of the play the playoff con uh, conference finals, like both times. So it's uh, looking a little bit shaky. I think they can come back. Uh, I don't know how good their seating is going to be, especially with the the Nets. Depends on how healthy they are, but we'll see. Yeah, for sure. And I guess just moving to the West, uh, there's a lot of strong teams. Uh, Utah's won nine out of their last 10. They're in first place. Um, Phoenix has also won nine out of their last 10 to be in fourth place. The Lakers have been on a roll as they normally are eight and two in their last 10, as well as the, the Portland trail blazers who have also won eight out of their last 10 and five in a row. Um, as well as, um, the San Antonio Spurs who are definitely, you know, um, caught up in the whole COVID thing as well as many of the other teams, but they're, they're playing well, um, I guess maybe just looking at some of the teams outside the playoff line right now, a team like Memphis, Dallas, New Orleans, and maybe Houston. Um, do you see any of those teams getting in or do you like the, the teams that are currently in right now? I think the teams that are in right now, I think it's, it's shaping up to be, it'll probably look something like this with mm -hmm. the Spurs. We'll have to see, unfortunately, they may drop a couple of spots because of, the whole COVID situation. Um, we'll see if they'll be able to finish their games because they did. I think a lot of their games got postponed. So we'll see. Hopefully they still make the playoffs. But uh, yeah, possibly the Grizzlies or the Mavericks. But I don't think anybody lower than them is going to make it this year. And just a question for the postponed games. Are those games made up or are the teams like, are all those games not going to be made up and then they just go by winning percentage at the end of the season? For the postponed games, I'm not entirely sure. I was thinking originally that they try to make it up, but it depends on the time schedule that they have. Right. So if the schedule um, looks like they're not gonna be able to do that most likely they'll probably just look at winning percentage so we'll have to see yeah that makes sense I, I could definitely see that uh, happening and um, speaking of games uh, I wanted to take a look at maybe some games that that you had for the upcoming week uh, I know I have some as well that I'm really looking forward to um, maybe if we can start out with the games that, that you're really looking forward to this week, uh, whether it's uh, fantasy implications, whether it's just uh, general playoff implications, uh, just go ahead. Sure. Um, I guess the first game that I think might be notable for Raptors fans and uh, maybe for Bucks fans would be on Thursday. Um the Raptors are eighth and the Bucks were two before this game and now they've dropped a third. 
Um, it's going to be the tail tail end of a back to back. Um, the Raptors, they just broke their losing streak, and the Bucks, they they fall into a fourth game losing streak, and the Raptors are trying their best to stay in the eighth spot or even get a higher seating, and the Bucks are trying to snap their losing streak. Ideally, the Bucks would be at least second in the East before the playoffs. So. Both teams are going to be fighting as hard as they can. And on Friday, I have the Nuggets versus the Cavs. Um, the Nuggets are on a three-game winning streak, and the Cavs are on an eight-game losing streak. So the Cavs really need to kind of um, snap the streak. Uh, they were doing really well at the start of the season. So I think this is a bit of a disappointment for uh, Cavs fans. But the Nuggets are doing pretty well. They're going to try to do their best to kind of keep their win streak up. So uh, we'll see what the Cavs can do. And on Saturday, we have the Suns versus the Grizzlies. The Suns have a six-game win streak right now. And the Grizzlies are a 500 team this year. Uh, The Grizzlies, they're right outside of the playoffs, so... They really need this win to try to make it, and the Suns need this win to get a good seeding. So I think it's going to be a hard-fought game as well. And on Sunday, we have the Nets versus the Clippers. Um, Both teams are third in their respective conferences. They're both very high-level teams, but they're also both banged up. Uh, Kyrie and Durant are day-to-day as of right now. Uh, so it's Kawhi and Batum. Paul George is currently out with an, uh, an injury. So neither team's going to be at full strength. So it'll be down to whoever's the next man on the roster to try to uh, carry the team forward and get the win. So I think those will be some interesting games. Yeah, for sure. And um, definitely... Um... Just to sort of correct you on that, um, the Raptors have moved up into seventh in the East. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah so that's kind of uh, how it was uh, uh, shaping up. Um, so it'll be a third-place Milwaukee Bucks against a seventh-place Toronto Raptors on Thursday. Speaking of Thursday, I have the Brooklyn Nets and the LA Lakers. Like you mentioned, the Nets are very banged up right now, so they're, they, they are second in the East, um, but they definitely need to... Uh, try and get this win against a second place Lakers team who's also a bit banged up. I know uh, AD's not been playing, uh, at, and if he has been playing, uh, he wasn't playing at a hundred percent. So that game will be interesting just to see which of the two teams are are a little more deep and are able to sort of pull out that win. Um, and then just looking at um, Friday's slate. Um, we got the Utah Jazz against the LA Clippers. Uh, you said the Clippers are also banged up, um, as are most teams in the league right now. And the Utah Jazz are on a roll, so I do expect the Jazz to win this game. But um, in, if anyone, uh, whether Kawhi or, or any others, do come back, he'll definitely make this game a lot more interesting. So it's definitely a, a must-watch game. Um, and then just moving over to the weekend, um, we've got the Raptors and the 76ers on Sunday, and then they'll be playing a back-to-back on Tuesday. Um, like you mentioned, big playoff implications for the Raptors. The Sixers are trying to stay on a roll as they've been very hot as of late. 
um, being the number one team in the East. And um, as you mentioned, the Raptors just continuing to sort of make that climb back to where we normally see them every year in the Eastern Conference. And then just moving on to Portland against Denver. Uh, you did mention Denver a little bit uh, being um, just, just uh, a team that's been a little bit better as of late. Uh, they are three games above 500. Um, and then a Portland team who, who's won five in a row. So it's, it's just pretty much two heavyweights from the West clashing. You got, um, you know, Damian Lillard, who's just been playing out of his mind, as well as uh, Nikola Jokic, who's also been playing out of his mind. So um, two solid potential MVP level candidates uh, facing off against each other uh, on Tuesday uh, just makes for some great basketball. I think you can probably agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Especially Blazers versus Nuggets. Yeah, just just two solid teams overall. It'll be a great game to watch. And um, thanks once again for listening to the NBA portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. We'll now move into some hockey talk where we'll talk about some NHL pickups uh, as well as a special segment this week. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the goalie tandems to own in the NHL for fantasy. So let's just move over to the hockey segment. Welcome back to the hockey segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and we're here with our hockey expert, James Kumar. Hey, what's up, man? So, so today we're going to go through some hockey pickups, uh, some goalie tandems that you should, I guess we should we would consider the top 10 and uh, some upcoming games. Yeah, for sure. Let's hop into it. All right. So what are some pickups that uh, you're thinking about right now? Uh, okay, so I'll start with forwards. Um, I did mention him last week um, before he ended up on the COVID list. He's now off, and that's Jesse Pugliarvi, only 20% owned in leagues. Um, he is still playing on that top line with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton. Um, and he's just been um, averaging uh, close to five shots every game, which is really good. He's also been averaging around three hits per game in his last four. So that's pretty impressive as well. Um, his plus minus, it, it evens out um, and he doesn't get as much power play time. But definitely there's room for the production because he is playing close to 20 minutes per game at right wing. So if you're short of right wings and you're looking for a guy with maybe a little bit of upside, you know, if you if you want to plug it in plug him in for like one night and a guy that might explode. I think he's definitely the right kind of guy to pick up. Um, the next guy uh, once again is uh, Jordan Stahl. I'm surprised he's only uh, under 50% owned in Yahoo leagues. I know he's been picked up around 15% in the last week. Um, he's just been fantastic uh, in his last three games. He has four goals. Um, he's a plus one. He has uh, one assist. He has three power play points in his last three games. He's averaging around two shots per game, around two hits per game. He's just solid all the way across the board. If you're in face-offs leagues, I believe he's above 50% in face-offs as well. So he's just, he's pretty much addable in every league. The only uh, down point is that he's center eligible only. So if you have a lot of centers on your team, that, that might be a reason why you don't pick him up. But um, I guess if you're just, if you have injuries, he should be the, the top center taken off the waiver, um, j just depending on his availability. Um, and he's playing around 20 minutes a game. I, I see the average is around 19 something. So you, you should be good in that, in that aspect as well. 
Um, and then just looking at another guy, Jack Roslovic, he's only about 45% owned in Yahoo leagues, center right wing eligible. So that that's really good. Um, ever since he got to Columbus in the trade, he's just been on fire. He's putting up pretty much a point per game. Uh, he might, he might even be better than that. Um, his stats uh, on the season have just been fantastic. He has uh, four goals, six assists. He's a plus two. Uh, he's got three power play points, 17 shots, six hits. I mean, he's just been doing pretty much everything. I believe he's only played around 10 games. So for him to have that many points for a guy that hasn't really produced at that level is really solid. I mean, they got him centering the top line of Pat, Patrick Liney and Cam Atkinson in Columbus. So, I mean, for a, a top line guy, I mean, he, sh- he definitely should be picked up for his production. Um and then just again, looking at Carter Verhage, we talk about him almost every week. He just keeps producing every week and people don't want to pick him up. He's 29% owned. We, we started talking about him when he was 2% owned and now he's 29% owned and people still don't want to pick him up. I don't know why. verhage has been amazing. He had two assists in his last game. Um, he's averaging around four shots a game, around two hits a game. Um, in his last three games, he's been a, a plus one. So he's just been solid overall. He's playing on the top line with uh, Barkov and Duclair in Florida. And uh, I mean, he's definitely someone that needs to be picked up. I mean, we can't stress it enough. I'm even in leagues where he's not picked up and I don't know why. Uh, I, it might be uh, deep teams or whatever, but uh, he's definitely someone to look at for sure. Uh, and then um, I think that wraps it up for forwards for me. Uh, what about for you? Yeah, well, first of all, maybe we should have some kind of like celebration thing when Verhage becomes over 50% owned. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's something we can keep track of every week because clearly people don't want to pick him up. His production has been great. He's definitely someone that you can toss into your lineup. And I mean, people don't believe us. We, we were calling out this guy when he was 2% owned, man. Let's just keep chugging that train all the way to 50%. <laughs> so we don't need all to right. talk about him anymore. Verhage 50%. Guys got to pick him up so we don't have to talk about him anymore. Hashtag Verhage 50. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I've got a couple of uh, forwards. Some of them we have um, talked about um, before as well. But the first one is new. Um, Evgeny Dadanov. He's about 32% rostered right now. he has six goals, two assists, and he's minus four, and he has 37 shots on goal. Um, he did have that crazy game against Toronto where they went, they came back from being down 5-1, and they won somehow. Can't believe it, man. Can't believe it. Um, that He had two goals Do that better, game, Toronto. Plus Do better, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Senator fans are really happy right now. And I mean, they haven't had much to be happy about this year, to be fair. So I guess we'll give them yeah. one. <laughs> we we got to give them this one. Yeah. And we got to give Evgeny Dadanov the green light to be picked up because he has two goals and he's plus two and he has three shots on goal. And uh, if he did this once against Toronto, he m- might be able to do this against other teams as well. So we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. And the next uh, pickup I have is uh, Pajot for the New York Islanders. He's 26% rostered right now. And he so far has five goals, three assists. He's plus three, and he has 25 shots on goal. 
So he's a really good all-around center. Um, if you're short on centers, you should definitely pick him up, and he should be able to fill in multiple categories for you. Um, his last game, he had one goal, one assist. He was plus two, and he had two shots on goal and two hits. So oh, that's very, yeah, very good all-around game from Pajot. Um, he was pleased plus 12 last day. So it looks like a lot of people have noticed, um, his production. So especially if you're in a deep league, you might want to pick him up now before it's too late. Mm-hmm. And for my third forward, I have Nick Schmaltz for the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I think we did mention him before so far, he's 29% rostered. Um, he's ranked 79 right now, and he has six goals, seven assists. He's plus three, and he has 37 shots on goal. So um, that's uh, very decent this year. Um, his last game wasn't his best, he, but he did have three shots on goal, one hit. He was minus one because the team did lose, but I think considering, um, the I guess, the score and his plus plus minus i still still think that's very decent um he should be able to get a good production for you and he can be a center or a right wing so if you're short on either of those you should pick him up and uh my last forward is joel farabee for the philadelphia flyers um he's good for a left wing and right wing so Dual eligibility, that's uh, always good. And he has six goals, six assists. He's plus six, and he has 28 shots on goal. So if you're really down on on plus minus, you should pick up Joel Farabee. He should be able to um, offset your plus minus for you. And uh, those are my forwards so far. And uh, for defense, who do you have? Yeah, um, I know like we've been mentioning some of the same people every week, but I mean, we got Connor Garland up to what, like almost 70% now. I think we started right. mentioning him when he was like 20%. We had that episode where we talked about a lot of Arizona players. Oh, to yeah. Pick up. And then I think he was like 20% or something. And now he's ranked 34 and he's up to almost 70%. So like, you All know, right. we can get these guys up there. We we gotta get for Hagee up there. He's gotta he's gotta keep playing though. So for Hagee, if you're listening, keep keep going, man. We're we're trying to get you up to fifty percent in Yahoo leagues. Exactly. For Hagee fifty. Let's go. Let's go. Hashtag for Hagee fifty. Uh, uh I'll get to defenseman now and um I'll start with Bowen Byram for uh, the Colorado Avalanche and uh with uh defenseman Kale McCarr. Um, missing some games uh, Byram stepped into the the top pairing I know we talked about him after the world juniors uh, we talked about him in one of the pickup episodes so it seems like now is the the right time to pick him up I know he didn't start off that well offensively but in terms of plus minus he's been solid he's been getting uh, 15 shots on goal on the season uh, for a defenseman that didn't even start the season right away he started halfway like partway through 15 shots is quite a lot um, and he had five hits in his last game. So, I mean, he's just been solid. Um, he's definitely a guy that could explode at any moment because he has that offensive talent. So Byram's definitely someone to add as he's under 10% owned as of right now. 
and um, just another defenseman. Um, I, I don't remember if I mentioned him last week, but it was Evan Bouchard of the Edmonton Oilers, a rookie defenseman. In his last game, he had two assists and he had eight shots. That's crazy for a defenseman. Defensemen normally don't shoot that much. And um, his plus minus has just been down the middle. He doesn't get too much power play time, but if you're looking for maybe a lot of shots, I mean, he'll get some hits and then, you know, he'll produce some points as well. So he's definitely another deep league guy, you know, under 10% owned. If you're really uh, short on defense, you want to take like a, a dart throw on a guy, you know, uh, Evan Bouchard might be the kind of guy that, that you'd be looking for. And, and just another guy is uh, Radko Gudis. I know we mentioned him last time. This guy's insane. Um, in, in the last week, he's had 25 hits. That's just unreal. It, it, and let me, let me just read this out to you in his last few games, the hit total. So you got eight hits, six hits, five hits, six, six, nine, ten, five. Those are, si- those are single game totals. If you need to win hits, if your team is losing hits every week and this guy's on the waiver, you need to pick him up. He's only 20% owned in Yahoo. He's just been added 2% in the last week. That's not enough. Gudis needs to be owned in every league that counts hits. Every league that counts hits. If you're a 12-team league or a 10-team league, if Gudis isn't owned, I don't know what you're doing. You're just throwing away hits every week. This guy is insane. His plus minus has been solid. Like all of his other categories have been solid. For the season, he's a plus seven. Um, he has what, like two or three assists on the season. He's not much of a point producer. I mean, he'll shoot the puck. He's got 18 shots on the season. So you're getting good plus minus, you're getting shots on goal, and you're getting a, a boatload of hits. So um, he just seems like a logical uh, option to pick up on defense. And and those are the guys I have. Wow. Those are some crazy hits. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I own them in a league, and I can't lose hits again. Like I, I lost, I think, one week in the season, picked him up. After that, haven't lost a week in hits. So. If you you got to make the sacrifice. If there's a guy that's not producing, um, I don't know. Just uh, I know some people were dropping Rasmus Dahlin. I don't invi- advise you to be dropping him. He's he's a top level defenseman. I know some people were frustrated, but maybe if you got uh, someone like Ekholm from Nashville who's been injured, uh, and you you may, might want to drop him for someone like Gudis, I definitely recommend that because Gudis is definitely worth it. Yeah. So hopefully. Uh, Gudis makes it to 50% because we don't want to be having to mention for Hickey and Gudis every week. Well, here's the thing. Uh, what I notice about a lot of people in terms of pickups, they just look at points. Um, that might be because certain leagues only count points, but uh, if he goes on like a, a streak where maybe like two or three straight games, he'll have like an assist or maybe he'll get a goal or whatever. Like it, I know that people will take notice of the hits also, and his value will just skyrocket as well as his ownership. So that's definitely something to look out for. Yeah. So again, if you are in a league that counts hits, please pick up Gouda so we don't have to talk about him again. Oh, we'll probably just end up talking about him because, you know, people aren't going to pick him up. Like we've, we've been talking about Verhage for weeks. Uh, Nick Schmalls, we've been talking about him. We've been talking about Farabee. These guys still aren't getting picked up. So uh, I think he might be on our list for a couple of weeks more. We'll have to see. <laughs> All right. And uh, we'll go to, I guess, goalie tandems now. So. As a goalie, what do you see in um, these uh, goalie tandems? Um, 
before I get to goalie tandems, I just want to talk about a few pickups. Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go to Kapo Kakinen. Um, I will mention him a bit later, but um, Cam Talbot's been a little banged up. I don't know whether he's on the COVID list or what's going on with him. So uh, Minnesota needs a starting goalie, and Kakinen's going to be that guy until Talbot gets back. It's only 18% owned right now in Yahoo Leagues as we record, so he's definitely a must-add. Um, I'll also cover um, Cal Peterson of the LA Kings. Uh, he's only around 20% owned in Yahoo Leagues. He's been putting up solid stats for being on a, a sort of a bottom team. Um, you know, um, his, his averages have just been solid. Um, he's, he's got a goals against average of, of about 250, which is solid on a, on a low team. Um, and his, his save percentage has also been very solid. He's been putting up a 926 save percentage. Um, and, you know, the, we know L.A., they're, they're not go- most likely not going to make the playoffs. Um, but yet you can still get value out of him. Um, I, I know he only has two wins on the season so far, and that's kind of concerning. But if you have guys that can produce wins for you, like if you have like a Vasilevsky and, you know, you might maybe you have like a, I don't know, a Sergei Bobrovsky, but yeah, you need to sort of balance that out, get some better averages. Uh, Peterson's definitely someone to add. Sounds good. Uh, I've got a couple of guys. I think one of them we mentioned before. So again, Jake Allen. Uh, he's rank 57 right now, and he has four wins, and his save percent is 93. Um, he's had some drops, but I don't think he should be under 45% rostered. He's 47% rostered now. I think it should be a little bit higher, but... um. We'll, we'll see what's going to happen. And I also have Mike Smith. He's 41% rostered. He's ranked 67. He has two wins, and he has a 93.5 save percentage. So again, those are uh, two very solid goalies, especially if you need somebody off the waiver wire in a shallow league, you should probably pick him up. And... Uh, yeah, hopefully we have a lot of people who are we keep mentioning every week. So, yeah, hopefully you guys pick up pick them up so we don't have to mention them again. But yeah, uh, yeah I know. It's, uh, I mean, I even <laughs> see these guys available in the leagues I play, and I thought the people I play with are pretty confident. So, I guess some people just aren't seeing the value in these players. But yeah, over the next few weeks, we'll have, we'll definitely have to see. Right for sure. So. Now that we've done our goalie pickups, uh, we'll talk about goalie tandems. And uh, I guess just who are your goalie tandems and uh, what are kind of the the traits? What are kind of like the, the value that you see in these guys? Okay, so just sort of an overview on this whole thing. We're, we're doing a goalie tandem segment because I know that people have been struggling uh, with injuries, especially to goalies, people complaining that there aren't good goalies on their waiver wire. So... Uh, in terms of goalie tandems, what we're trying to say is um, not including the tandems that are injured, like, you know, like Peter Mrazek and James Reimer. We know Mrazek's out. Um, we know with Grubauer and Francois. Francois has been out with an injury. Um, th- those are just examples of tandems where the guys aren't aren't healthy. These are healthy tandems that um, I, I believe that both goalies should be owned in, in, tw- in standard 12-team category leagues. Um and yeah, um, the reason we're mentioning this is because some people ask which backups are safe to own, which backups will give me value. So I guess we'll just talk about that. 
Um, I'll, I'll definitely start with uh, Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen. I know Talbot, uh, he, he's been on and off the COVID list. He should be okay coming up. But um, him and Kakinen from Minnesota, um, they've just been solid. And um, Minnesota is usually a tightly knit defensive team. So their stats probably won't hurt you. And it seems like they are going to be sort of splitting the starts going forward. So I think you'll get value from both goalies and fantasy. Um, and then I know you just talked about Mike Smith, him and uh, Miko Koskinen. I know the Oilers are sort of getting uh, back to sort of uh, the way they need to play defensively. And I think with Mike Smith being back from injury, it should help them. Um, both goalies should get you some value. Um, I, I think maybe more on the win side rather than averages. Um, their save percentages might be pretty good, but their goals against average, I'm not 100% sure because the, the North has been high scoring. So um, you'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. Um, and then for the Dallas Stars, um, in as my eighth tandem, I've got Anton Hudobin and Jake Ottinger. And uh, I know there was some issues with Hudobin. It's, they seem to be resolved now with the coaching staff there in Dallas, but Ottinger filled in pretty well for him. I know the wins haven't always been coming, but definitely those two goalies are, are solid enough and they'll get you solid stats in fantasy. And then uh, looking at the Philadelphia Flyers, we got Carter Hart and his backup, Ryan Elliott. I know when Hart struggled a little bit, Elliott came in there, stabilized the net. He seems to be a very solid backup goalie, so he's definitely someone that should be owned. Um, his start percentage might not be as high as other backups. But when he does start, most of the starts are are, are pretty good. Um, and then for the Florida Panthers, Sergey Bobrovsky and Chris Drieger. And uh, Drieger was... Uh, uh, you know, he, he didn't play as much at the beginning, but now he's starting to get a few more starts because Bobrovsky struggled a little bit. Um, they're on a very good Florida team this year, a surprisingly good Florida team this year. I don't think many of us expected them to be close to Tampa Bay in the standings. Um, they're both getting wins. I mean, their averages, you know, some good games, some bad games, but they're getting wins and that's always important. And Drieger's the kind of guy you pick him up, you insert him into your lineup, there's a good chance he's going to get you a win. So definitely um, he's, he's a good um, goalie to own as well. Now for my top five, these guys are must own uh, goalies, both the starter and the backup. We'll start with uh, Jonas Corpusalo and Elvis Merzlikens uh, from Columbus. Uh, the team is sort of uh, getting their chemistry back together. Um, I know the goalies have been a little shaky as of late, but definitely as this team uh, gets their chemistry back, these two goalies will be a big part of their success. So I believe they both should be owned as they should be splitting starts. Um, and then moving to the Washington Capitals, Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek. I know Vanacek was sort of manning the net while Samsonov was out with the COVID protocol. I know Washington sort of struggled with the whole COVID situation with their team, but now that they're back, uh, I believe that both goalies uh, will be solid and they'll be used. And I believe that Washington will be one of the top teams in the East division. And then just uh, looking at the Montreal Canadiens, uh, their starter, Carey Price, and I know you talked about their backup, Jake Allen. Um, both goalies have been solid. Um, they've been getting wins while they've been in the net. Uh, Jake Allen, you know, he'll get maybe around one start a week, I've noticed. Um, you know, maybe more than that, but he's been solid in all those starts. Uh, so I believe both goalies should be owned. Uh, Allen just for, you know, his percentages and so on. And then Carey Price just because he's just one of the better goalies in the league. And then um, for number two, I'll, I'll look at the Boston Bruins. I have Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Um, Halak's also getting around one start per week. The Bruins are one of the hottest teams in the league. They're winning. They're playing defense. 
Uh, I believe even Halak got a shutout this past week. So he's playing solid hockey. Tuka Rask is playing solid hockey as well. So th- those two guys definitely are must own. And uh, the number one tandem, which should be to the surprise of no one, uh, is Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner from the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I know Lehner's been banged up as of late, so Fleury's been getting a lot of the starts, but they are more of a 50-50 split when they are both healthy. And Vegas, they're in first place in the West. Right now, they've been playing solid. Um, and and Marc-Andre Fleury, I mean... Um, just on on Sunday, he shut out the Colorado Avalanche, who who's one of the best offensive teams in the league. So um, he's been solid. Uh, Laner's been getting wins. I know he's been a little shaky in a couple starts, but there's no reason to drop either of these two goalies. They're both must own as they're de- they're definitely um, a high win percentage whenever they're in the net for the Golden Knights. And yeah, that was just a little segment that I have um, for you guys. Um, just some goalies uh, that can be picked up. I know definitely some leagues, uh, the teams are owning like three or four goalies. So the waivers pretty much milk dry for, for goalies. So these are just some sort of guys, you know, you, you might see them on the waiver. Should I pick them up? Maybe just pull the trigger on some of these guys. They might get starts and they also might perform well for you. Yeah, that sounds good. It's been a little bit tough trying to find, I guess, like who's the right goalie for you. But I think you've given like a really uh, comprehensive list, especially if you need like a backup goalie. Most of these like um, backup goalies, you should just be able to put them on your roster and they'll be able to put in work for you. Yeah, for sure. Like if you got a goalie from from a team that's maybe allowing a lot of goals, like maybe maybe you got a goalie from Buffalo, maybe from Vancouver, um, you know, maybe maybe from San Jose. Uh, some of those teams are allowing a lot of goals right now, and and you're sort of frustrated. Maybe look at some of these backups that we've just mentioned, and maybe, you know, um, take a flyer on one of them, and they they should turn out for you. Sounds good, and. Uh... Speaking of which, we're going to, I guess, move on to, I guess, the NHL, NHL, I guess, just general standing and kind of games. So I guess before we go into games, I was just wondering on your general thoughts on the current landscape of the NHL. Yeah, starting with the North Division, I know we all know what happened to to the Leafs on Tuesday night. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about that anymore. Um, As a Leafs fan, I was disappointed. Um, but I think it's a wake-up call that Toronto needed to sort of get back on track. Uh, you know, back-to-back losses is not good, of course, but sometimes it takes that just to sort of uh, fix whatever issues might be going on with the team. And then just overall, that division is very close. I mean, um, between second place uh, Montreal and uh, sixth place Vancouver, it's like a five-point spread as as of the time we're recording. So it's, it's very tight. Um, this division can go either way. And um, I guess just looking at the East division, Boston's just been on a roll. Um, And then you sort of got the New York Islanders and then you got Philly, Washington, Pittsburgh sort of mixed in there. And then you sort of have the bottom three teams after that. And then um, out West, you know, uh, Vegas has been playing well. St. Louis has been playing well. Colorado's just getting back from COVID, but they were playing well. Um, Arizona's definitely turned things around. Minnesota's been playing well. And, you know, like all the teams in there, uh, maybe the teams from California might not be playing as well, but uh, there seems to be some good games uh, from the West. They've been tight games. They've been, they've been good games. 
So um, definitely some some great games out in out west and a tight division for sure. Um, and then just back to the central, um, Tampa Bay playing well. Uh, I know they did drop a couple recently to Florida, who is behind them in that division. You also got Carolina, who's been been playing really well. They have a a four and zero home record this year, so they they've been unbeatable at home as of late. Um, and then you sort of got Chicago, Columbus, Dallas mixing it in there, um, and then Nashville and Detroit sort of uh, rounding out the bottom of that division. So that division looks very interesting around the middle. So we'll definitely see how that shapes out. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts uh, regarding that. Um, it's looking like uh, an interesting season for sure. Um, although I guess for a lot of the league, it looks like the teams that you would expect to be at the top are there. Like the Bruins are at the top. I think we, you, we usually expect the Bruins to be somewhere close to the top. Yeah, Tampa sure. Bay is at the top. The Golden Knights are at the top. Blues are mm-hmm. near the top. Mm-hmm. The the Leafs too. I guess every every Leaf fan's happiness is at the top. So <laughs> I know they did take a loss. We don't deserve still... to be at the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll ho- hopefully they'll be able to kind of uh, turn something around and like earn their first place spot again. Um, I think the the Leafs are they're not just at the top of their division, but they're at the top of like pretty much all teams. They have twenty four points right now. I think that's the highest amount of points in the entire league right now. Mm-hmm. So that's I still think like even though it's like kind of a hard loss, sometimes you just have to kind of, I guess try to find a silver lining. At least you know the the Leafs are kind of ahead and. They might have lost two, but they're still four points ahead of the second place team, the Canadians. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to burn that lead away. Um, ideally, you'd be able to kind of snap that streak, but they're not in a position where, okay, they need to kind of scramble and do something. Otherwise, they're out of a playoff spot. They're not there yet. So, Yeah, for sure. I think I can agree with that. Uh, they just... Uh... I know they got a couple games coming up against Ottawa. They got, uh, you know, a few more games uh, down the road uh, against some of the other teams in the division. So they just need to keep uh, doing what they were doing earlier in the year and and they'll get some wins. Yeah. Like sometimes teams just like go, go on a slump. It does happen. Um, Like this was a very unexpected um, loss, but upsets do happen. It's just kind of how, the game works especially now nowadays so uh i guess the the leafs they should be able to kind of um pull themselves together and uh, get some more wins so i wouldn't say this is indicative of like anything serious at this point yeah i'd say the same thing the it was just more of a wake-up call if anything yeah for sure and uh so i guess we'll move on to some uh, upcoming games and uh, what are some upcoming games that uh, you think people should look out for okay so we'll start with Thursday uh, we got Dallas against Tampa Bay I know these two teams were scheduled to to meet at the beginning of the season it was supposed to be the big Stanley Cup finals rematch but those games ended up getting postponed so they're finally going to be meeting on Thursday which is going to be a big game for these two teams Dallas looking to turn around 
a losing streak and Tampa Bay to sort of just maintain at the top. And of course it is a Stanley cup finals rematch. So everyone is going to be looking forward to it. So that's what I got for Thursday. And then um, both Friday and Saturday, we've got Edmonton against Calgary, the battle of Alberta. Everyone loves these games. They're usually high scoring, a lot of hitting, usually some fights, you know, these two teams just really don't like each other. So it makes for some exciting hockey. Both teams are also uh, playing pretty well. So I, I think we should see two solid games back to back between the two teams. And then I'll, I'll look at the two outdoor games. Actually, we got two um, games that will be played at Lake Tahoe. They've got a, a rink set up there on the golf course um, on Saturday. They'll have uh, Vegas against Colorado at Lake Tahoe. So that's going to be fantastic. Two of the top teams in the West facing off against each other outdoors. And then on Sunday, we've got Philadelphia against Boston, also at Lake Tahoe. So um, again, two of the top teams in the East. So fantastic matchups we're looking at. We're looking at two solid games. I know there won't be fans outdoors, but uh, Lake Tahoe is known for the scenery, you know, the mountains in, in the background and so on. So, um, and, and of course, everyone loves outdoor hockey because it, it's where the, the sport was born. So um, it's definitely something to look forward to if you're looking for some games to watch on the weekend. That sounds like some good games, especially the Lake Tahoe game and Battle of Alberta 2 and 3. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wild. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> I know the people in Alberta, they're going to be watching that for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, we know how much Edmonton fans hate Matthew Kachuk, and we know how much Calgary fans hate Zach Cassian. So, because we'll see what happens. Those two will probably drop the gloves at some point. We're just curious to know when. Yeah, I guess this is probably one of the good times that there aren't, like, fans around, because probably somebody might try to start something and that's not <laughs> that's not too good so that's like the one time it's good to not have fans in the stands right now yeah for sure all right so i guess i've got a few games that people might want to check out um on friday i have uh the new york islanders versus the penguins um the Islanders were trying to get into a playoff spot, but they just came off a win. They're on a three-game win streak right now, and they're second in the East Division. So they're doing really well right now. And the Penguins, they're about four games behind, but we'll see if they can uh, come, come back from behind and try to kind of uh, snap their losing streak. It's just a one-game losing streak right now, but Hopefully, they'll be able to turn that uh, losing streak into a win streak. And uh, the Saturday game, there's a game against the LA Kings versus the Coyotes. Uh, the Coyotes are four points behind the Blues in a playoff spot right now. And the Coyotes right now have a one-game win streak. So... We'll see if they can kind of uh, turn that one-game win streak into a two-game win streak. Uh, the Kings, they're really far behind. It doesn't really look like they're going to be making the playoffs. But uh, regard regardless, I think that the Kings are going to try their best to kind of try to try to see what they can do in the division right now. They're on a one-game win streak, so I still think they're going to uh, try to play a hard game, try to 
spoil things for the coyotes, see what they can mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday, there is a game. Actually, I have another game on Saturday, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks versus the Hurricanes. Uh, they're both third and fourth in their division, so it's going to be a tight game. Both teams are on a win streak right now. Chicago is on a two-game win streak. Hurricanes are on a three-game win streak. They both want that um, second spot. So basically, whoever whoever wins this, it they may or may not um, pull pull ahead. I think they both have twenty points right now, actually. So whoever um, wins this, and depending on uh, how well the Panthers do you might see one of these teams in a playoff spot right now. So uh, Central Division is uh, really close right now, so we'll see what's going to happen. And uh, on Sunday, we have the Canadians versus the Senators. The Senators are in a two-game win streak right now. Um, They're also kind of in a similar situation to the Kings. They're really behind, and every other team has pulled so far ahead. It's going to it's going to be um, tough to kind of see them making a playoff run at this point. It's probably not going to happen, but uh, that doesn't mean that the senators are just going to sit down and just not try to win. They're going to mm-hmm. see what they can do against every other team. If there's a chance to kind of spoil things for other teams, they're going to try to do that. Try to make <laughs> some other teams look foolish. Just like the Leafs. <laughs> just like they did to the Leafs. I knew you were leading up to that. I, I could feel that coming. Yeah. <laughs> So this is basically the best time for the Senators right right now outside of being in a playoff spot, see who they can uh, look foolish, see who they can spoil games for. Basically, they have nothing to lose at this point, so they might as well just go as hard as they can in any team. So yeah, like think- they've just they just been beating like I think they've beaten the top three teams in the north right now. They've beaten Toronto twice, they've beaten Montreal, and they've beaten Winnipeg. So I mean, they're, they are already spoiling it for people, so. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, at this point, maybe there's no playoff spot for them. But, you know, it's kind of funny to see people say, hey, you lost to the worst team in the division. That's kind of funny. So they're probably going to yeah. keep doing that. <laughs> I guess winning people that believe in them a lot of money, clearly. Yeah, and anybody who lives in Ottawa, they're going to be really happy too. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that's, those are pretty much uh, the games that I have. And I guess I was just wondering if you have any extra thoughts on the Senators right now. Um, I guess just in general for the Senators, uh, they just got to take everything one game at a time. They can't look ahead. Uh, you know where they're at. Uh, they sort of they, they dug themselves a deep hole, so they'll just take one win at a time uh, to sort of get out of that hole and um, uh, speaking of uh, digging their way out of a hole uh, I've pretty much buried pretty much everyone uh, in in our our fantasy fanatics hockey pool Uh, it's now as we're speaking a 23 point lead that I have on the second place person and uh, all of you guys got to dig out of a hole or else you'll just be hearing me talk more when, when it comes time for the hockey pool interview and uh yeah i shouldn't be the one talking it should be one of you i know my reputation is on the line as we've been talking about but 
I mean, I would definitely like to congratulate someone. So you guys got work to do. You got to catch up. So I guess just as a matter of interest, um, which viewer is kind of the closest to catching up? Oh, geez. Um, I guess from people um, not doing the podcast, we got uh, Jonathan's team, Phil Kessel, and there's a few others underneath there, but those are sort of the, the top end guys that aren't from the podcast. So um, they, they are still in a deep hole, but um, we'll see what happens. Well, those two teams, uh, you've got your work cut out for you. Basically, the entire pool has their work cut out for them. Pretty much. So, <laughs> but this is kind of why he's the hockey expert. So, I mean, it. What can I say, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, hopefully, one of you guys can catch up, kind of make it things more interesting instead of every week we see James ahead by 20 points. I mean, my name says it. I'm. I should be playing the parade at this point because it looks like I'm gonna end up winning this pool. It looks like he's planning the parade already. So, <laughs> if you guys wanna make trying to, I guess, try to see if you can rain on it, uh, now's the time. Yeah, let's see if some people can catch up. Hopefully, it'll, it'll be a lot closer uh, the next week, but we'll see. Yeah, for sure, and. Uh, I guess tune in next next week. Uh, we'll give you some some more pickups, and we'll look at some more upcoming games, and then we'll talk about the league a little bit more and see how things are shaping up. Yeah, for sure. All right, that concludes the hockey segment for the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. <laughs> Thank you.